He's playing kind of some shady golf as of late. I mean, it's 20. I really, I really thought you were going to say a different word that oh. also started with the same two letters no. of the word shady. And I was like, whoa, come on there, Adam. The it's the H-Dog Pod with your host, Michael Hound Dog Harrison. Hey, welcome to episode 82, the Craig Stadler edition of the podcast. Seeing as how... We'll be delving into the upcoming Masters for this pod. I figured it's a great time to discuss the first golfer I took a shining to when I first got into the sport in 1997. Stadler was the winner of the Masters in 1982. That was the lone major that he won to go along with 12 other PGA Tour victories between 1980 and 2003. Nicknamed the Walrus for the way he looked, his gruff exterior was hilarious. And you always knew how he was feeling on the course. He was, without question, a great character and a great golfer. Speaking of great, let there no longer be a debate at all. Technically speaking, I am now a great uncle. There might have been some naysayers to that claim before, but my niece has given birth to a cute baby girl named Scarlett, making me literally a great uncle. I was an uncle since I was eight years old, and now I'm a great uncle. Amazing. Speaking of amazing... Let's continue on the discussion in the second part of the podcast with Adam Scully, who, of course, I had on last time. We delve into the Blue Jays' moves, of course, the upcoming Masters, but we start off with a discussion of the wild NFL offseason. So without further ado, let's get cracking. Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, lots of stuff going on in the NFL. The head's spinning. Like, there's just nonstop stuff going on in the NFL, which is kind of cool. Uh, as, of this, yeah, as of this recording, uh, Deshaun Watson got traded to the Browns. Which is very, very interesting. And Russell Wilson, of course, got traded to the Broncos. AFC West, going to be a nuts division. So, so tough. Uh, what are your thoughts about what's going on in the NFL right now? It's just, it's, it's, it's so entertaining. The, the NFL never fails to entertain in, at all seasons. Tom Brady retired six weeks ago. And, but now it's sort of like, okay, well, do you actually call that a retirement? Like, no, he, he's back already. He's yep. he's playing for Tampa this year. Now people are speculating whether he's going to play for another year after that. Go to San Francisco, and then you know you're talking talking about the the musical chairs of the quarterbacks. You think Russell Wilson going to Denver, um, Carson Wentz going to Washington. You think of uh, you know Deshaun Watson, like you said, and then the whole Aaron Rodgers saga, where where we were actually watching that game together uh, when uh, Rodgers and Green Bay lost to San Francisco in a very snowy, like it was more of a punter's game, but Rodgers just didn't play well in the second half. The the NFL is brilliant, and and you, I have to give you credit here, Michael. You opened my eyes to. Um, Red Zone. Oh, NFL Red Zone. If you, oh, if you guys haven't watched that, throughout the regular season, especially if you don't have a team, even more so if you don't have a team that you specifically yeah. need to watch, just watch that. It's commercial-free football. They uh, skip between the different games, the most important points, if a guy got injured, if there's a touch, they have touchdowns from every game. Uh, they, don't, they, they don't miss a touchdown, even if the game's a blowout. It's just it's, it's boom, 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 and uh, they're constantly changing. There's no commercials, like I said, it is the best way to watch football, especially if you're a fantasy football fan. It's just uh, absolutely incredible. And the host, Scott Hansen, is just, he's just so, so entertaining and he's obviously very, very passionate. So, yeah, uh, the NFL draft is next month in April. And even though uh, the league is um, you know, not going to start till September, 
we're still talking about it now. So there's definitely a lot of moves that are being made, of course. And you just never know where the the quarterback uh, carousel is going to go. And uh, my goodness, it's just it's just it's just so entertaining. Okay, so let me ask you this question. By the way, I also forgot to mention, of course, Aaron Rodgers signed like a bazillion dollar contract oh, he, to stay yeah, in Green he's Bay. Playing, yeah, he, he's making like a stupid amount of money every day. Like, so, it's, and that's sort of the way I thought was going to happen with Wilson, if I'm honest. Like uh, Rodgers posturing and positioning himself for a better contract with Green Bay. I sort of thought that's what Russell Wilson. There's more. There's no only smoke. He's not actually going to be fired. He's not actually going to be dealt at a, anywhere. So when you texted me that Russell Wilson was traded, it was like, oh my goodness. Of course, that next couple hours was uh, quite the you know, refreshing Twitter every three seconds trying to figure figure out the players that Seattle got back. But uh, it's pretty wild. But yeah, sorry, I interrupted. Oh, no, no, you no. So no, I wanna I wanna ask you this question because I I don't follow the NFL as closely as you do, and so Aaron Ro- so Aaron Rodgers has won Super Bowl, correct? Yes. Russell Wilson has won Super Bowl, correct? Yep. And what, I- what? Why? Why are they so good then? Why, like, like Russell Wilson is five foot eight? Uh, no, he's probably like five ten. But yeah, okay. he's not. He's not six feet yet. So what? Uh, you know, uh, as an avid, yeah. What makes him like? Why? Why will he succeed in Denver? Well, I mean, that's the interesting thing that uh, I'm glad you bring that up because in Seattle, when they had the incredible Legion of Boom defense and they had an exceptional running game with Marshawn Lynch uh, in, in Russell Wilson's early years. He, he basically, uh, as Pete Carroll loves, he wasn't throwing the ball over the place. He was very, you know, maybe 20 throws a game type of thing. Uh, very much like 160 yards passing type of thing. And the defense was outstanding. The running game was awesome. That type of thing. Uh, then the defense would keep him in games a lot of times when he wasn't necessarily good. Most notably, the NFC title game against Green Bay. Yeah. The game they eventually won when he had like four interceptions that game. If it weren't for the defense, they would have no chance at all to win. But he, had, he always was able in the fourth quarter to have this magic to come back. He does have a clutch factor, which is, it cannot be ignored. And I think that's when the rift happened in that locker room because uh, essentially they were, the, the defense was kind of mad that Russell Wilson didn't give them the credit in that game because it's like, dude, without us, you wouldn't even have had a chance to win the game with crazy heroics. So he does have a, a factor of being able to come back in games and uh, do a lot of clutch things. But there's a lot of things... I'm not even talking about last year because he was injured with uh, the broken finger uh, for last. Uh, he came back a bit early and it wasn't very good for those games. I'm talking about the year before that. He was the MVP favorite, if I'm not mistaken, the first half of the year. And then for some reason, the defense, uh, sorry, the offense fell off a cliff. They couldn't adjust everything. They were really bad against really bad teams as well. I remember uh, talking to your family. You guys were, oh, yeah, Seattle's going to I said, guys, like, their defense is, somehow picked it up, even though defense was bad the first half of the year. I'd never seen a team be so brutal on defense the first half of the year and so awesome on offense the first half and completely flip yeah. the second half. The offense was dreadful, and the, offense was, uh, sorry, the defense was outstanding. So Wilson, I, I do wonder, of course, let, let Russ cook, let Russ cook. Well, they let him cook that year. And uh, unfortunately, everything got fried uh, in the kitchen uh, and burnt because <laughs> it wasn't good the last six games or whatever. So he was a very, very good quarterback, very, very clutch. No question. I love him. I, I'm not going to say that he's a bad quarterback. But there's some third down, even in his heyday, he wasn't very good on third down. He wasn't good with his tight ends because he is a shorter quarterback. He did have some limitations but no question, he was very, very clutch at the end of games. And he's amazing. His deep passes were uh, a thing of beauty. So I think people romanticize themselves, right. him a little bit more than they maybe should. So in Denver, I'm very, very, very curious if people 
might see that, oh man, he's especially against elite competition in that crazy division. They might be kind of like, oh, we're not, we're not quite, he's not quite who we thought he was going to be. So like, do you, would you compare this? That was very long winded. Sorry. No, no. It, it was a very open question that I portrayed your way. Would you almost compare it to if the Maple Leafs acquired Marc Andre Fleury? Like, is it is that, or I mean, Russell Wilson's more in his prime, right? Definitely. Um, I mean, both have won one one title as a starter. Well, I mean, there's no doubt that it is obviously hard to win, harder to win uh, championships for a quarterback in terms of like. It's a whole team, like unlike hockey, where offense and defense are on the ice. Of course, at the same time, Russell Wilson, if the defense is bad, he has no play in that at all, and vice versa, type of thing. Yeah. But it is funny to me. Of course, everyone wants to talk about how they lost the to the Patriots in the one yard line. Obviously, understandably, I get that. They crushed Peyton Manning, and in his prime, Peyton Manning, who had the most touchdown passes of any player ever that season, forty three to eight in that Super Bowl. But no one ever wants to talk about that game. It's kind of funny. It's like. Oh, yeah, that's basically forgotten. Like, they won, they crushed Denver in that game. Uh, and, of course, I don't know if you heard this stat, Russell Wilson, the very first quarterback to have beaten a team in the Super Bowl and then go to that team, get traded to that team. He's the very, very, for, very first quarterback. Wow, I didn't know that. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. Very first. Sense. So, yeah, he crushed Denver, and now he's going to Denver. It's going to be very, very fascinating. And, uh, like I said, I wish him the best of luck. Two years from now, this next year, I want him to lose every game except for the three games that he's playing the NFC West teams. I want him to beat those teams, of course, and then except for Seattle. Of course, I mean, you know, and as a diehard Seattle fan, you, you've got the looking at a jacket, you're wearing a shirt, you got the, you got the golf bag, you got the head cover, and I, I actually forgot to bring up. I just remembered now. A certain someone that you know very very well. Uh, uh, her name is Ruth Scully. Your mother. Uh, mother messaged me when the trade happened and said, are you now going to be a Denver Broncos fan because Russell went there? And I eviscerated, good word, her. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm not going to be a Denver Broncos fan. Now I'm a Seattle Seahawks fan. Anyone who says, or like say you're a Tom Brady, or sorry, a Patriots fan, or you claim to be a Patriots fan, and then as soon as Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay, and then you went to Tampa Bay, you're a scab Patriots fan. You can never like the team again. You can't like Tampa Bay. No, no, no. I'm a Seattle Seahawks fan. Of course, I want Russell to do well, except for next year, as I mentioned. Right. But you're, if you switch allegiances based on the player like that and you proclaim to be a fan of that team, garbage. Now, uh, to, to completely switch gears a little bit, and you, you mentioned Ruth. Uh, we talked about Rick, I think, maybe a little earlier. You've played golf with Rick once. I know we have discussed... Your father, Rick, yes. My father, Rick. My father's not Vin. My father's Rick. My grandfather is, is Vin. Vin. Yes. Yes. I think whenever, because we've discussed playing, you playing golf with my family. Whenever we go play golf, I think the teams, it's you and Rick, son of Vin, take on Ruth and I. What do you think about that? <laughs> wow. What do you think about that? I mean, I, I do want to defeat her because of her callous and ridiculous comment about me liking the Denver Broncos. So there's a built-in rivalry to begin with yeah. already there. And then, yeah, to, to destroy your life and to crush you. I, when I play, when I step on the first tee, obviously I want to have a good time and I, and I and, you know, enjoy my playing partners and whatever. But make no mistake about it. I want to absolutely demoralize my opponent in every turn. I want them to want to retire from golfing at the end of that round. And I promise you that's my, my thought process on that first tee of course, I want to have fun, but I want to crush them so hard. So 
the point being, if I can play you and Ruth and absolutely crush your soul to where you literally consider retiring from the game of golf, I would be tickled pink. Now, for all the, the listeners tuning in who might have viewed Hound Dog's Instagram story, I mean, those new shoes, Hound Dog, whether you win 10 and 8 or lose 10 and 8 in this much anticipated match, which will be viewed from coast to coast across the world, you are going to look good while you play. Uh, How how about the shoes you bought? Yeah, I got some shoes at Golf Town. Of course, I looked at three different uh, shoes that I might have wanted uh, online, asked them about all three pairs while there. They're like, oh, no, it's only being sold online. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Like, I thought that there'd be at least one of them would be in the store. No. Think. Then the fourth one, fourth pair, another pair that I actually did see there, no dice didn't work out. The fifth pair, no dice, finally on the sixth pair. So it's kind of funny to think that was the sixth option that I, I went with. And there were Nikes and they're like a little bit of a lime green on the bottom and uh, got a lot of play. Okay. So, surprisingly. So, so those are the sixth. That was the sixth option. What were some of the other? Well, I want to go with a sort of a sea hockey type of, no surprise, a sea hockey type color, uh, blue and green type of deal or whatever. That was my uh, goal, essentially. And the first couple that I mentioned that were online had some really, really nice colors together. Couldn't get them, though. So I eventually settled, quote unquote, settled for uh, white shoes, white Nike shoes with a bit of the lime green on the bottom. And quite good. Uh, They they are. They they, uh, look uh, pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty. Like, like they they are flashy, but they're stylish. They're they're not too much. They're they're just. I think they're the best. The, how do I say this right? Without being offensive or something. No, 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 no. I thought you were gonna say. You, I think you often appear on the golf course wearing some uh, flashier apparel. I think your shoes are the perfect match for your flashy apparel. That's uh, that's a good point because yeah, I do have some loudmouth pants that are uh, green, uh, the shamrock pants. So I did want to have like said green yep. that kind of would sort of go with that type of apparel. So that's a very good point like actually. Blue Jays uh, mm. home opener coming up here very soon. They made some deals. Uh, Matt Chapman was the last one. Hopefully it works out just as well as the last time they traded for an Oakland A's a third baseman. What are your thoughts of the Blue Jays? This uh, this seemed like this actually could be, it's a crazy hard division, but I love the fact this management team is going for it. Man, I I love the quote from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. earlier in the week. Last season was the trailer. This season is the movie. That's so good. Did someone feed him that line? I I gave myself chills saying that out loud. Like You think for people in our industry... You know, making montages, making eye-popping, catching material. Like, when they go win the World Series, like, that that quote is going to be used off the start of everything. That's and, a good point. Yep. And you think back to, to answer your question, I, I'm so excited for this team. A, because they're awesome, and B, because the world is opening again. And, yeah. and because we're going to be allowed at full capacity and see the Jays games. And and correct me if I'm wrong, are this so last or was it two years ago, whatever, that the they changed the Saturday home start time to three thirty or four o'clock? Yep. Which, you know, for us who like to, you know, it, when it was one o'clock, maybe the atmosphere was, especially after the Friday going to the Saturday, the atmosphere. Not very good. But then you go from, you know, 
7 o'clock on a Friday, game that ends at 10 o'clock, Friday in Toronto in a July, it's it's awesome. You move it up to 4 o'clock, and just the atmosphere of, of people in their 20s and 30s and 40s and people watching who maybe go for a lunch, an extended lunch perhaps, go to a game at 3.30, 4 o'clock, and then enjoy Toronto. It's just... It, it is definitely better the Saturday, and then, then now the Sundays have been moved to one thirty. I saw as well. Oh, okay, okay. Which I'm not entirely sure why that half an hour makes that big of a difference, but it was. But but in terms of the atmosphere, I will never forget the run the Jays went on in 2015, and think of what could be as you know you know this team coming up here. Their bolt their rotation is. I would say better than it was in 2015 and 16. You know, I think back 2015, 16, you had Stroman, you had Sanchez, who was in and out of the bullpen. You had you had Estrada. Uh, you know, David Price came in. And you, had, you had R. A. Dickey, who was. But now you've got these four guy. You know, you know, you, you know. You think of Ryu, who was this big signing, and now he's fourth pr- or fifth. probably their third pitcher to split up the righties and lefties, sort of thing, perhaps. Right, but you know. I don't know how many games you went to in 2015 and 16, but I remember sitting, I was in studio with you actually watching in 2016 when Edwin Encarnacion hit that wild card dinger in extra innings. And you think of the atmosphere that Toronto has. You think of when the Raptors won the NBA championship. Like, if if the Jays ever go on to if the Leafs win the Stanley Cup, that's that's number one by a landslide. The city is just starved. For, yes. Like like I said, the wild card home run uh, by Encarnacion. It was a wild card game, one game to be Baltimore, and it was all. truly it was like they'd won the World Series. The city is just starved for success in Toronto because more often than not, it always ends in heartbreak. I, I will I will tell you a personal story here of that 2016. This was a week after we watched that game. So the, Le- uh, the Leafs, the Jays are playing Texas. They won the first two games on the road. Game three. This is. Bottom of the ninth, this was known as the Donaldson Dash. Mm. And I I was fortunate being my family situation. My 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 sister Sarah and my brother-in-law Mark have a lot of connections uh, to get a tickets break. And I was actually in the hotel above the Jumbotron. I was at that uh, the, the year before the the game against like against Texas when they were down went down to nothing in like seventeen innings. It was like a oh, noon you were game. there, yeah, on the Friday. No, uh, yeah, whatever. It was. it was that was soul crushing. I, I thought, will never forget yeah. that. You know, I'll never forget that. And this is a totally weird tangent. That was the Friday of the twenty fifteen Presidents Cup, which was held in Korea. And I know that because I was trying to sleep through the night. This is a total never ask. And you can totally never ask me if you want. <laughs> but that, so with 17 innings, and that Friday, they played 12 hours. I was at work until 6.30 in the morning. Anyways, wow. so to Yikes. never ask myself, get back 2016. <laughs> I was in the total perfect vantage point of seeing the, so you see the throw from third to first. You see the, of 2016. See the first baseman, Moreland, I believe. Probably. Sort of bobble it and Donaldson go. And I remember yelling at the top of my lungs, maybe had enjoyed myself a little bit. And he slid into home and there were 20 of us in this box. And it was like, we were sort of jumping up and down. We were, you know, we were popping champagne. It was, it was, it was ludicrous. And, and like, it, it gives you chills thinking about the moments that, that bring people together. And, and that's what sport 
is all about <laughs> when, when you bring people together like that. And very, uh, very poignant, very, very poignant of sports together, plural. <laughs> and um, you know what? It the possibilities of this year, especially in ice hockey for the Maple Leafs. <sighs> The possibilities this year, I'm way more optimistic about the Blue Jays than the Maple Leafs. If if the Leafs go on and win around, that'd be awesome. But but like the Jays, like last year, they they should have made the playoffs. George Springer played 78 games. He, you know the the bullpen had a brutal May. you know May into June. Yeah. But now they've got uh, Ray Romano, call him Jordan Romano, at you know a closer, and he had a good stretch last year. I'm very excited about the Blue Jays. No doubt, no doubt. I mean, it's just cool that we have games. And then one of the funny, uh, to quickly put a pin in the uh, MLB discussion, it's so funny to me how fans in March here, at the start of March, were losing their minds over the fact that MLB hadn't come to an agreement. MLB, me included. The MLB and MLB, MLBPA couldn't come together for an agreement and all this stuff. It's like, okay, there was no actual games missed. It wasn't like they uh, there were supposed to be games that weekend and for some reason, you know, not they, they weren't actually playing the games because they were locked out. Fans were losing their mind. They were so upset that baseball wasn't back. But baseball wouldn't have been back anyway. It would have been the spring training at that point. So it was just weird to me that everyone was just, uh, losing their freaking collective minds over something that wouldn't have actually been real anyway. Uh, once you start to get into actual games and in actually into April, then I could understand how people would be upset. But it was just weird to me that everyone was just so mad over something it wasn't even real to begin with, basically. Yeah, I totally agree. And you think of you know past lockouts, you know, for us being closer, you know, more familiar with the NFL. Oh, sorry, the NHL. You think you think of you know 2004, 2005. I was totally wiped out. They come back in 05, 06. The game's totally different. You think of the 2012, 2013 when they missed half the season, came back for a 48 game season. Maple Leafs had a 4-1 lead in Game Seven against Boston. Maybe <sighs> don't bring that up, Skulls. Sorry. No. But this, you know, they're extending the season one week, correct? I think. I think. Uh, or in, Into October 5th, if I saw it correctly. I think so. Uh, and also, if they wanted to, they can even easily do uh, double headers. Like, it's not even that big I, a I deal. I think they're to... more scheduled in. That's not even that. Scheduled it's... in there, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it, yeah. It's, it just seemed weird to me yeah. that everyone... I understand it. Again, I can understand if people were mad. If the games were actually supposed to be going on and they weren't playing, yes. But it's like... It's almost like the NFL lockout in 2012. I want to say it was or something. It was in the summer as well. Like the, I think I think if I'm not mistaken, it went into like August. Again, they wouldn't have been playing real games in August anyway. So it's until they actually miss real games, it's not that big a deal. Was it the same year that the NFL officials had the strike? Mm, good question. I think I want to say that might have been a couple years after yeah. this, but. I'm not 100 percent sure. It's amazing how the years go by, and it's so they blend all together, and you forget certain details or whatever. I think that was a couple of years before the NFL officials uh, sort of, uh, yeah, because I'm yeah, it was Golden Tate, of course, who caught the got touchdown against on Green Monday Bay night. on Monday Night Football. So Golden Tate wouldn't. Have, I don't think he would have been with. Man, I don't think he would have. Yeah, he might have been on Seattle at that point. Yeah, probably it probably was 2011 or 2012 when they drafted him in the second round out of, out of Notre Dame. So again, it's it's crazy to me how. It was uh, 2012. Together. 2012. Uh, Golden Ticket, uh, the, the, the catch you mean, or when he was drafted? Uh, labor dispute through week three of the 2012 NFL season. So yeah, that would have been Golden. Yeah, that might have been Golden Tate's second or third year at that point. So yeah. Wow. Man, time flies. Crazy. Largely, we haven't even discussed perhaps our first love, which is kind of crazy, golf. Mm. We touched on it briefly, but mm-hmm. uh, a couple things, of course, I want to talk about with you. Uh, 
One being uh, this proposed, uh, it's, it, is it on, is it off, is it on, who knows, this Saudi Golf League uh, is going to actually happen, Adam. And I, I saw like a meme, I think it was, I don't think it's actually true, but one of the thoughts or one of the things they posted out was Anthony Kim is going to be playing on the Saudi Golf League. How awesome. This guy was at the top of his game, almost won a couple majors. I think he won like four or five times in the PGA Tour, got injured, had a massive settlement to never play in the PGA Tour again. It's been like about a decade, speaking of a long time. And so he hasn't played a shot in, in golf in at least a decade. And that's the rumor, or at least the, not actually probably a real rumor that he's going to play in the Saudi League, which would be incredible. But yeah, the Saudi League is, is actually going to happen. I think it's supposed to have the first event the same week of the Canadian Open on the PGA Yeah, Tour. okay, so a couple of things here. So first of all, Anthony Kim has the record for most birdies made in a single round at Augusta National, which is 11, which is wow. not bad. He's also a Ryder Cup winner back in 2008 with Paul Azinger. Allegedly, he was at 5 o'clock in the morning before his singles match. He was spraying a $20,000 bottle of red wine <laughs> off of his balcony and went on to wax Sergio Garcia in that singles match. So there's that. <laughs> Second of all, uh, so the, the, the Saudi League, now known as the Live Invitational, which Greg Norman is the commissioner, and the Saudis have backed it. To your point, yes, they are starting. Their first tournament is June 9th to 11th. So there are 54 whole tournaments, no cut, $25 million purses, except for their final tournament, which is a, so there's eight tournaments. Their final tournament is an, a $30 million purse. There no cuts. Wow. Shot, so the, the, and there's individual and team uh, prizes for each week. So, and uh, one thing, so th th there's been tons of speculation about this, that, hey, if you play this, you're done from the PGA Tour. Mm. You play this, you're done from the major championships. So Greg Norman is backing this thing with the Saudis, obviously, with, with that money. And that's where, you know, Phil Mickelson comes into play. That's where the rumors of Bryson DeChambeau came into play. That's where the Dustin Johnsons of the world. Now there's still speculation about, you know, the, the, the Justin Roses, the Ian Poulters, the Lee Westwoods, the Kramer Hickcocks, the people who have, Jason Kokrak, people who have yay or nay, you know, Adam Scott, another guy who has, oh, yes, I've talked to them. It's interesting. It's it's a lifestyle thing. It's a legacy thing. If you want to play on one, you might be done from the other. But in this new proposal that came out to tour players, before everything was all about you have to play all eight events, you're all locked in, you're good to go. But this is, yeah, come play one, come play another one. We'll work through the schedule. We're not going to match us up with majors. We're not, we're, we're not going to, you know, go up against you know, major international tournaments. And for us in Canada, red flag, red flag, RBC, Canadian Open, the first tournament. And, uh, you, you know, you've, you've got to think that. So the first tournament of the Live Invitational is in London, England, which is the week before the U.S. Open. The week before the U.S. Open is the P on the PJ Tour is the RBC Canadian Open, like you mentioned. If you're, if you're playing, sorry, when you qualify for the U.S. Open, because you could qualify, of course. Do you want to travel from Canada to Boston for the U.S. Open? Or do you want to go from England to Boston? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Chances are you're going to go from Canada to Boston because it's a 90-minute flight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, exactly. but, but, but this is something that it's, for me, as a golf fan, it's, it's curiosity. Mm -hmm. it, could, it might fall flat on its face. It might be an XFL equivalent. It might be 
um, a WHA, yeah, a WHA equivalent back in 1980. I was not alive, and not nor were you. Uh, it's it's uh, I'm I'm more curious, you know, when that announcement came out. And Greg Norman has been on a couple of different podcasts, Golf Subpar, Five Clubs with Gary Williams, where he has said that they're not going to announce any of the names of the 48 players who they say are going to play until a much later date, May May or June. That is where the curiosity will go up for me. Sure. Because, right. you know, th- th- this is still like a, a pie in the sky sort of thing. Like now there's, there's, a, there's a schedule, a schedule, I know you like schedule, uh, <laughs> set in stone of, you know, here are seven dates, the, uh, you know, the eighth tour championship, whatever. Greg Norman has said this is going to be an eight to 14 tournament schedule. And, and he mentioned this several times on the Golf Subpar uh, podcast where he said, you know, we're a startup. We're we're going to try things, try things that are different. And, you know, one thing that's definitely different is the, you know, the shotgun start is the 54 holes of no cut where you're, you're going to show up and you're guaranteed to make it, make a check. So if you're a, if let's put a name out there, if you're Adam Scott, you've won a master's, you're not a hall. I don't think you're a hall of fame player. As of right now, maybe yeah, you're it, debatably. It's debatable. Yeah, debatable. Yep. But you're you're going and you've won your major. If you want to win more, I, I hope you do. You're a great player. You've got a great golf swing. People, you know, look up to you. Or do you want to win millions and millions and millions of dollars? It's it's a tough call. What do you think about this? I think that uh, probably. Uh, well, of course, there is a Saudi international tournament that uh, has been the last three or four years. I yeah. think it's four years. Uh, I think there might be a couple of tournaments that uh, players may want to play as long as they can, of course. But I don't think it's something where, you know, some players are going to completely go there the entire time. I, I just don't see people. Of course, you want to compete against the best as long as you're one of the best players. If you're one of like the 80th ranked player, maybe you want to do that if no one else is going because that gives, of course, your chance, your better chances to win more money. But I don't think if you're a world class player, I don't think you're playing. Of course, Phil Mickelson got in a lot of hot water for somewhat basically, uh, I guess, supporting this tour or at least using that as leverage against the PGA Tour to try to make things better for the PGA PJ Tour and uh, obviously very controversial. A lot of people didn't like the fact that he was essentially, uh, you know, I don't know, almost like not siding with them, but like basically, oh yeah, yeah human, human rights issues that they're that they're doing. Oh, it doesn't really matter type of thing. So a lot of people hated Phil Mickelson for that. But I'm of the opinion the news cycle changes over time. People are, are pissed at Mickelson right now. Over time, no one's going to care. In two three years. It's going to be a blip on the radar, just like it was a few years ago. A little different, of course, but with his insider trading rumors, or when it was a uh, he hit the putt, the moving putt at the U.S. Open, everyone hated, yep. everyone hated him for that. But again, no one cares. A few years later, I think it's going to be one of those things where, yeah, it's going to be a little, a minor thing that someone remembers, but it's not a big deal. I had a spirited debate. Speaking of your parents, Ruth and uh, Rick, they think they're an exact opposite opinion to me, thinking this is going to screw over his prospects to be a broadcaster on TV. Uh, but I actually think, in a weird way, the fact that he won the PGA Championship last year delayed his bro- potential broadcasting TV career because I'm pretty sure, because he had a, a cameo at the PGA at Harding Park where he was outstanding on TV, the fact that he then won the PGA 
now in my mind makes him think he can still win majors when he probably can't realistically. So again, as I said, in two, three years, no one's really going to care about this story. He'll be able to be on broadcasting. Everyone's going to love him. He'll be on CBS. He's going to replace Nick Faldo. It's definitely going to happen. You heard it here first. You heard it here first on the H-Dog pod. But you know what? Like, you, you think of... Okay, so people, people use the expression fall from grace. Mm-hmm. And the first name that comes up in the golf world when you think of fall from grace is Tiger Woods. Sure. And you think of a couple times. You know, you, you think of the scandal in 2009 and 2010 before he played the 2010 Masters where, you know, this is a guy who, you know, was looked up, is looked up to by millions and millions of, of kids and people playing the game. And, you know, obviously he's he's had an impact on the game of golf that no one will ever have in the game of golf for the rest of time. You hear, you heard it here first, Tiger. You know he he is who he is. Yeah. But he did what he did as a married man, and people lost respect for him. So there was that fall from grace in two thousand nine. Yep. And then there was the fall from grace with the DUI situation. Mm-hmm. So and then there's this fall from grace with the, Phil, D- DUI. By the way, with pills wasn't actually alcohol. I believe it his, was like his blood alcohol was zero point zero. It was it was a, a mix of a couple. It was a, a sleeping aid and in a pain concoction of pills. A that's concoction. A, that's going to put it. And 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 he went to rehab after that to you know for you know being addicted. Uh, you know having having issues with. Um, you know, staying on those drugs, and you know, you know, thankfully he is knock on wood back to uh, hopefully playing golf again sometime soon. I'm sure that that'll be another edition of the H Dog Pod, maybe episode 100 when I'll be back on here. Who knows? But um, for Phil Mickelson, this is a guy who May 2021, uh, we were watching the third round together when. You know, Phil Mickelson started the week as, you know, in, in terms of the odds, he was 200 to 1. This is a guy who said, you know, two weeks previous at a PGA tournament, I can't think of the name, where he was, you know, he missed the cut and said, you know what, like, I'm, I'm playing okay, but, like, I have these stretches where I just sort of black out and I just I just don't know what I'm doing. And, you know, I, I have this mental block yeah. and I, I lose focus. And, and it was sort of like... Okay, this is kind of weird. And then he goes, and you know, after 36 holes, he's in the tournament. After 54 holes, he's still in the tournament. After, you know, in the first, what, seven or eight holes, there were five lead changes with, with him and Brooks Kepka, who had knee surgery, who should not have been playing in that tournament, period. So good for Brooks, first of all, for playing. But this, so, so what I'm trying to say in a very, very, very long-winded way is mm-hmm. that this is a guy who was on top of the world. Mm-hmm. Tiger had his victory in 2019 at the Masters. Phil had his in 2021 at the PGA Championship. Unlikely major victories. And now he is where he is, where whenever he comes back, is he going to be booed? Is he, like, is, is, will he be a Ryder Cup captain? I don't know. Will he yes. be... One million percent, he will be a Ryder Cup captain. I, I don't know. I don't know. He will be. Again, but, not the next one necessarily. Well, not the next one is Zach Johnson anyway. But uh, again, like, obviously, wasn't good what he said about you know uh, you know the, the obnoxious greed of the PGA Tour, and again, sort of kind of siding with the Saudi people who yep. human right, rights issues with women is really really bad. No question about that. But there's been in the in the pantheon of bad things athletes or good celebrities work. or thank you uh, have done like it wasn't good what he said but it's not he didn't murder someone at least I don't think he murdered someone That's right so ultimately 
People love Phil Mickelson. The next time he hits an incredible flop shot to two feet from... Or a high, nasty bomb. For sure. They're going to be like, oh, this is so cool. We love him. Just like with Tiger Woods, as you were mentioning, a couple of times where he had the fall from grace. That's People were like, we don't really like him anymore. Oh, my God. We can't. We hate Tiger. Of course, when he won the Masters in 2019, everyone was cheering for him. Just like if somehow, some way, Phil Mickelson wins another major, people will love it because it's a great story. He's a beloved figure. He'll get past all this. He's a great figure for the game. People love him or hate him. There's definitely people who hate him as well, but that's good for golf, Mm -hmm. love or hate. He will 1 trillion percent be a Ryder Cup captain, of course, if he wants to be. Well, you know, and and, uh, I... You know, he's been penciled in for 2025 at Bethpage Black. He had been for a while. Perfect timeline for what I'm saying. Two, three years, whatever it is down the road. Uh, At least now it's three years down the road. Yeah. People will... He's I, 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 he's a shoo-in. You would th- so, so okay. So you would think, but so Zach Johnson, who is going to be the captain in 2023 in Rome, which I think we should actually go to together if you'd like. I mean, I'll accept. Okay. I accept We're your going. rose. I accept your rose, Adam. Okay, here's my rose. Zach Johnson was asked about Phil in his press conference, and and he gave an incredibly non-committal answers, which you would think, obviously, given the stuff that's going on with Phil Mickelson right now. He's not going to say, oh, yeah, he's on the team. But because of the Ryder Cup task force, you think, you know, Steve Stricker, Jim Furyk, you know, David Duvall was a part of that you know, vice captaincy crew uh, back in 2018 in Paris on that debacle of a U.S. team, which had a lot of stuff going on. But you would think given that the hierarchy of – good word, by the way – of – You like that? Yeah. Of, of you like uh, that? Yeah. U.S. captains that – he would be a part of that team, you know, you know, to, to learn, to add some experience to the team. I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe Phil comes back and wins three more majors. I don't know. I mean, he's 51 years old. He probably won't. But uh, he, he is, the game of golf is in a better place when Phil Mickelson has a key role, like the PGA. I'm, I, I don't have the ratings on hand with me right now, but I'm sure the PGA ratings oh. last year were probably and, better than the Masters. And, and I'm sure people, I'm, I'm not saying that people won't boo him. I'm sure the Thursday, Friday rounds, which generally speaking, most golf fans don't watch or care about anyway, because there's nothing, you know, uh, because there's nothing uh, imminent or there's no, uh, you know, nothing at stake really until the Sunday, of course, when yeah. everything matters. I'm sure he'll, there'll be some smattering of booze or whatever, but again, this is the PGA Tour. Do you, People hate Patrick Reed. They can't stand the guy. Do you really hear booze for Patrick Reed in the PGA Tour? Barely ever, because the PGA Tour makes sure it doesn't happen because they're very, very much like, no, no, that's that's not happening on the PGA Tour. So do you actually think there's going to be a, a, a crazy uh, uh, a landslide of people who are going to be booing Phil Yeah, maybe for five seconds, and the PGA Tour is going to put the clamps on it. Not going to happen. It's the same thing with the, the Kepka. DeChambeau, you know, controversy, whatever you want to call it. Hey, Brooksy, last year where fans were calling Brooksy and, you know, he was kind of being a little... To Bryson, yeah. To Bryson about that. And, you know, like, it's not like you're going to see at a Nashville Predators game when Brian Suter's getting booed nonstop or an NHL game. Like, Phil Mickelson's not going to be booed before, like, like Happy Gilmore or Shooter McGavin. Like, that's not going to happen. No. And these sponsors who, uh, you know, got rid of Phil Mickelson... Of course, they want to. I understand that you want to portray that the fact that you aren't uh, with him on these types of issues or whatever. And again, the, what some of the comments that he made, you can you guys can read up on it. Uh, they weren't good, of course. I'm not defending what he said. They weren't good, but again, the news cycle shifts. Someone else is a new person that everyone uh, loves or hates or whatever. He's gonna have some amazing shot on a PGA Tour event, and people are gonna love him. Perhaps at the Masters, and then everyone everything's gonna be forgiven essentially. 
And speaking, of course, of, of the Masters, so if I, do you have something you want to say about that? Does Phil play in the Masters, in your mind? Yes. Uh, he will, uh, Phil Mickelson will play this year's Masters, 2022 Masters. Wrong. Dead wrong, Hound Dog. You couldn't have been more wrong. Mickelson won't play the Masters. Probably finished tied for 49th or something Does Tiger like Woods play in the Masters? Doesn't seem like it. It would, be, it would be amazing if he did. Wrong again. Tiger is teeing it up at Augusta, Hound Dog. As we know with Tiger, he's very, very secretive with everything. But. So, like, okay, so you're probably right. Probably. Nope. Like I said, you're both wrong. But you think back to that video he put out uh, of, you know, the three-second nine-iron or eight-iron, whatever he put out. That came, it was a Sunday at 11 a.m. I remember, I think I was actually hanging out with you the previous night, and I woke up, probably was a little groggy. I'm like, oh, my God, he's hitting a, hitting a golf ball right now. And then he played in the PNC uh, Parent-Child Championship about four weeks later. With Tiger Woods, you never know. Yep. I, I, I still say he probably doesn't. I, I still say he's probably aiming towards the 150th Open Championship at St. Andrews. But, very, very, very flat golf course. Be, yes. And, and, and as it almost for a while there looked like in 2005, and when Tiger Woods was like first and John Daly was second, of course, they both have won at St. Andrews, that golf course. Obviously, in 2022, it's going to be a Tiger Woods-John Daly playoff at the Open Championship. Clearly, that's going to happen. Clearly. Which would be absolutely amazing. Oh, my God. I can't even imagine. the, the It would literally uh, it would break the internet if that happened. It would. Uh, yeah, uh, as I mentioned, the Masters, uh, we'll uh, wrap up with the Masters. It's been a tremendous podcast. We can go on on and on and on and on forever, of Could course. be here all day. Absolutely. So who are some of your thoughts, uh, picks for the Masters uh, from a betting odds perspective or just in general? Uh, I have the odds uh, posted up here. So if you have any questions about who, which players, their odds, of course. I know uh, you and I have picked a couple of guys that we've thrown money on uh, to win the Masters just in case they do uh, well in advance. I'm trying to pull up my bets here, actually, some of the guys that we bet on. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. um, any guys that you're looking at right now that you're thinking possibly could win that? Okay, so as of this particular moment, John Rahm is the betting favorite on the book I'm looking at. And there are a number of players who are tied for second at 12 to 1. And those players are Jordan Spieth, Jordan Spieth Colin Morikawa, and Justin Thomas. So I, I, I want to look at those three players. To me, Jordan, you know, Jordan Spieth goes into the Masters. You know, last year he won the Valero Texas Open the week before the Masters. And you know, he made a triple bogey in the first round on the ninth hole on Thursday and then went on to finish top five, I want to say third or fourth place. Um, so he always played, you know, he, he won in 2015 in record-setting fashion, should have won in 2016. Obviously, the 12th hole occurred and the 10th and 11th hole, many people don't talk about. But yes, bogeys on both those holes, yeah. Yes, sir. And it almost came back. But uh, of, and then Colin Morikawa's 12 to 1, and he's playing kind of some shady golf as of late. I mean, it's 20. I really, I really thought you were going to say a different word that oh. also started with the same two letters no. of the word shady. And I was like, whoa, come on there, Adam. The first lessons of f- broadcasting, Michael. This is a family podcast. Yeah, this what are you is. talking about here? Sorry, keep going. So, uh, uh, okay, so of the favorites, we, the, the, we'll start with the favorites, you know, Justin Thomas is really leading me out to me. And, you know, people might roll their eyes at me or, you know, this is a guy who only has one major championship. Yes, he won the Players' Championship last year. Yes, he had a lot of uh, hardship off the golf course last year with, with the sponsorship loss as a result of, of some remarks made on the golf course. You know, of, of a- Another perfect example of, uh, of course, when he made some disparaging remarks or said a word that, was, of course, was not uh, not a good word to say about himself. Or he's tr- tr- tripping himself 
but it was it was a homophobic slur, and everyone was mad at him about that, understandably, as they should have been. Yes. But again, he wins a players' championship. Everyone loves him again. Same sort of idea uh, in terms of people move past these things, and oftentimes it's almost forgotten. So that's what's going to happen with Phil. That's the that's the point I make. Okay, so for Justin Thomas though, he has had some past success at the Masters. So in 2020, yes, it was the November Masters. I get that, and yes, the golf course was totally different, but. You, you might forget, those tuning in, that you know after 36 holes, which went, which went into the Saturday morning that year, that Dustin Johnson, Justin Thomas, and John Rahm were all around, either tied for the lead or within one shot. But the big difference this year with Justin Thomas, do you know who he has on his bag caddying from? Bones Mackay. Jim's bone, Jim Bones Mackay. Speaking, speaking of Mickelson, his former caddy. That's right. And that how, that's how it ties in together. And, and that's how I think... Bones is going to make a difference for, for Justin Thomas. And, you know, this is a guy who's played with Fred Couples. He's played with Tiger Woods and all these practice rounds. You know, he, he's, he's, as he's talked about it, you know, Tiger's talked about it. Like, Justin Thomas is his little brother. And they have this connection. And I, I think Bones is going to add to that. And I, I kind of think it's JT's time to, you know, get major number two. We saw Dustin Johnson in November. Colin Morikawa's already already got to number two. Rory McIlroy hasn't won a major since we worked together at the 2014 PGA Championship. Crazy to think. I, I think Rory will get in the mix as well. But I, I think Justin Thomas at 12 to 1... I th- I think I think this is his time to 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 really give himself a chance and you know for him last year he struggled a lot on the greens he was going back and forth with the different putters but I don't know I I I think this could be his time to get you know get major number two it certainly seems kind of crazy when you think about how the uh, the success he's had for quite a while here on the PGA Tour that he does only have the one major just yeah, at the PGA Championship in seventeen it's yeah. just like whoa it, 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 you definitely wouldn't have thought that it would have been that long. Uh, since that, he's won uh, his first majors. That he hasn't won a second one. So, uh, a couple guys I have money on for the Masters. Uh, they were well in advance. I don't necessarily think that they're going to win. But again, same, that same sort of mindset. We saw them playing well in a couple tournaments, you know, in February or in March. So it's like let's get ahead of the story here, just in case they happen to go on a run. This first guy definitely is not going to run. But uh, I have money on Cameron Champ, uh, Francesco Molinari, mm-hmm. Jason Day, Adam Scott. Joaquin Neiman, which was a big one, because I got him at uh, fifty to one to win the Masters. That was, of course, when he went wire to wire to win the Genesis Invitational. Like all of a sudden, his, his uh, odds to win the Masters plummet because he did so well at that tournament. So um, it's always good to get. So as I, in in direct contrast to me d- discussing with Steve Dominic two podcasts ago, how I don't like futures bets. Sometimes, especially with golf, it is actually uh, uh, you know, pretty good to do that because you're able to get some guys who you might want uh, later in the year, but because if you wait too long to bet on them, not so good. Uh, I'm just going to look at the Masters odds here right yeah, now. Yeah, you know, and, and as you do that, I mean, I, I, uh, I was also on board, I, I want to say at your urging, actually, on uh, Adam Scott, I think. But for Joaquin Neiman, you know, he's a guy who knows how to flight the golf ball. And, you know, you, you might think, oh, PGA Tour player, they can obviously all flight a golf ball. But th- this is a guy who really knows how to flight a golf ball. And, and you know, to win the Genesis Invitational the way he did in that fashion, yes, it got close at the end with Cameron Young and Colin Morikawa coming up two shots short. But, you know, he's a good val- – he's still value. I mean, but, you know, the guy that you and I were watching – 
I don't know what tournament it was, but we, you know, we looked at Francesco Molinari and, you know, people think back to 2019 and Tiger Woods winning that masters. And, and, you know, one of the great images you'll look back at the history of sports and see Tiger Woods win that, but, you know, arguably Francesco Molinari choked that away with and, two double bogeys on his back nine. And he had one of the greatest breaks in terms of choking of all time. Because most of the time, if he were to did what he do what he did, which was choke the tournament away, like you said, if it was a run of the mill winner, people would, would remember the fact that Francesco Molinari screwed up. But the fact that Tiger Woods was the winner, that's completely forgotten. No one cares about Francesco Molinari because Tiger Woods won his major 11 years after his previous one. So it's kind of funny how like he will be absolved of him choking his guts out as he did in that Masters, which is kind of funny. But as we were saying, yeah, that's definitely a guy who had some form a little bit earlier a few weeks ago. So we thought maybe he could do well again at Augusta. Uh, just thinking at the odds here again. Or now, uh, Paul Casey. I know he's, uh, you know, yeah. he, he can't win the big one, but in terms of value, anyway, fifty-five to one. Given that he's played so well at the Masters so many times, that's yep. definitely good value. Maybe a, an each way bet on that one. Mm-hmm. And when you or each way bet or something, yeah, yeah, exactly. When you each way, it's basically essentially a top five bet, bet that you're picking. Sung J M at fifty to one. He's played well there, I believe, in the past. I think it was second. Yep. He was tied for second. Finish, yep. So that, that's definitely at 50 to 1. That's certainly someone that's very intriguing, obviously. And then uh, other odds, yeah, it's, it, it's tough with the Masters because it, you know, it's such a, a limited, compact field that the odds initially going into the tournament usually aren't super great because there's only realistically maybe 30 ish guys who prob- realistically probably could win. So uh, for that one, anyway, I'm certainly, I wouldn't look at too many long shots because almost never is a long shot winning the Masters type of thing. I'm um, trying to think, like, I wonder, like, uh, we wouldn't know this, but, like, Charles Schwartzel in 2011, like, what would have his odds been? I'm not exactly sure what the odds would have been, but I remember picking him to win the Masters, like, a year before that. I remember telling everybody, like, oh, Schwartzel, uh, I think I said he's going to win the, the at Doral. Uh, it was the year. It was either. No, I think it might have even no, been it was that, that year. year. Yeah, it was because he had the connection with Ernie Els, right? I'm like, he's going to win this one. Of course, he didn't win that one. Of course, he wins the Masters. So I don't know exactly know what the odds would have been on that, but uh, certainly you know uh, Zach Johnson maybe when he won again they wouldn't have been crazy long Immelman. odds. But yeah, same thing. Immelman was a relatively decent player at the time. It probably would have been I'm guessing 25, 30, maybe a bit more, maybe 40, 50 at most type of thing. Yeah. But I'm I'm struggling to think of and maybe I'm I'm sure I'm forgetting someone, but I'm struggling to think of a uh, very obvious like super long shot to have won the Masters outside of like you know. Like, Larry like, Mize, like even in the Danny 80s. Willett. I guess yeah, that's a pretty good one. Yeah, but he was a twelfth ranked player in the world at the time. I mean, yeah, yeah, he was playing well, and he, and he had chances to win a couple Open Championships. He probably would have been that. around forty, I would guess. Yep, yeah, that sounds about right for 41, sure. One, yeah. for sure. So, it's it's definitely a tough tournament for a random player to all of a sudden pop up out of nowhere. Yeah, because it's such an in a, a small field to get into the tournament. So you're not going to see, as an example. At the Players' Championship, Honorbon Lahiri was like a 750-to-1 uh, underdog. I think he was like the second longest odds to win, and he led after 54 holes and finished second. So a $10 bet on him would, would have paid $7,500. That, that's how long of a shot he was uh, if he'd won. So that, that just doesn't happen to the Masters. Can I, can I give you a funny uh, Honorbon Lahiri anecdote? Absolutely. We'll, we'll finish off on that, yeah. Let's do it. So I was at the 2017 President's Cup at Liberty National, Bragg. and Liberty, uh, Liberty, 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 Liberty. Sorry. 
So, you know, President's Cup, it's not quite the Ryder Cup, obviously, but the fans get into it, the chance, and so standing inside the ropes on the first tee, you know, I, I saw, I, I, those are some of the highlights of my young career so far. Um, I, I was within arm's length of, of President Obama, Clinton, and Bush. It was uh, really cool. That's but cool, of course. Yeah. It was, I, I have a picture on my Instagram account of, of those three guys together. I, I saw former President Trump. Uh, from probably 30 yards away, and he is a weird-looking dude. But anyway, so <laughs> you think of, you know, President's Cups, Ryder Cups, of the chants going on on the on the, the tees, and, you know, Kevin Kisner was standing when he wasn't playing in a session, uh, chanting with the fans, cranberry vodka, boom, 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 boom. And, and he was standing there with a, a plastic cup, clearly having that drink. But so so... <laughs> They had a couple, and so Jordan Spieth and Patrick Reed made fun, made fun of one after they had won in, in a funny way. So Siwoo Kim, the fans would chant, Siwoo, shaking that ass, shaking that ass, shaking that ass. And then for Anurban Lahiri, it was, ooh, ah, Anurban, ooh, ah, Anurban, ooh, ah, Anurban. Ooh, uh, and Urban. and there's 3,000 people chanting this. I've got to say, as, as a viewer, as a spectator, you got to go to one of these events because you, you see stuff like that that you'd never see anywhere else. I, I, yeah, I think I, I barely watched that. If I'm not mistaken, like the U.S. crushed They the, almost won on the Saturday. They yeah, so, so I, I barely watched. I was like, okay, this is a blowout. I'm not, I don't really care. So, yeah, I don't even remember hearing those or seeing those chants on TV yep. or whatever. So it's, it's, it's pretty crazy. It, it is cool when golf... Uh, Sort of has those moments that aren't normally golf. Uh, you know, as I was saying, they don't boo people in golf except for like the, the 16th hole at, uh, at the Phoenix Open. Of course, if they miss the green, they'll boo people. But that's right. that's the exception. But you know, generally speaking, in golf, it's very polite and prim and proper. So it's funny to hear, you know, in the Ryder Cup or Presidents Cups, these things that are just totally not golf related normally. It's pretty cool when you see those. Yeah, you know, and it's something different. It's something that we, like you said, we, we rarely see. And you know, once we get to Augusta National and, and the patrons and, you know, a tradition unlike no other, it's that's something that we all cherish. And that's the spring awakening. Down Magnolia Lane at the Masters on CBS. And TSN and CTV. Mang. Thank you for listening to episode 82. Thank you to Adam Skelly for being on. It's been a pleasure. The H-Dog Pod. Bang. Bang. Thank you to my good friend, but not my best friend, Adam Scully, for that two-part podcast. Here's hoping some of our master's bets end up paying off. You can follow Adam on both Twitter and Instagram at Adam underscore Scully to see his work for Golf Talk Canada, TSN Edge, and Junior Hockey Magazine. Though the Seahawks dealt away Russell Wilson, I weirdly have a sense of optimism about the squad going forward. That's probably incredibly naive, but I hope Pete Carroll and GM John Schneider can build up the squad like they did a decade ago in the draft in late April. I'm so stoked to go to the Blue Jays' season opener. It'll only be the second one I've ever been to, as they usually start off midweek when I'm working at night, but this one will be on a Friday when I'm available. Super pumped for the season. Now, as you know, the star editor for this podcast is Grant Roberts. He's been on the pod a few times, and his band Jasper's Mind Melt has a new single out ahead of their new album. The song is Places Called Home, and it's available for purchase on Bandcamp at jaspersmindmelt1.bandcamp.com, and it's also available on Spotify and Apple Music. 
Also, check out their website, jaspersmindmelt.ca. Thank you for listening to episode 82 of the H-Dog Pod. Bang. This has been the H-Dog Pod with your host, Michael Hound Dog Harrison. Mm-bang. 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 Mm-bang.